Alrighty guys, hello and welcome to episode number 46 of the RDO podcast with Jason and Alex Von Cannell. How are you this morning, bro? Yeah, I'm good. It's a bit cold. It's, it's a little cold. bit chilly this morning. Yep, for sure. But this one's about to get cold. This is a special, a bit of a special podcast for us. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we've wanted to speak about for a long time, but didn't feel it was right to it, speak about. It's not even a question of whether or not it was right for us to speak about it. Uh, we would have been banned from YouTube for speaking about it. Yeah, would have been kicked off, and we'll go into some of that, uh, some of that detail. Uh, Jason's gone to a lot of effort to put together like a timeline. Mm -hmm. Now, most people, and I've asked around, mm -hmm. most people don't know any of this stuff. Yeah, that we're going to go through yep. today. Uh, I want you to look at this with. An open mind, mm -hmm. right? That's what we're about. Yeah. Okay. So we're happy to have our minds change as well if mm -hmm. if, if given uh, given the evidence. But we want you to listen to this and make your own mind up. Mm -hmm. uh, even counter. We're happy to have the, a discussion in the in, in the comments about a lot of this stuff as yeah. well. We're happy to cite examples. Um, I'll I'll put some links in the uh, in the comments as well, just on the on YouTube for some resources that you can go to to have a look. And I would I would suggest as well uh, if you are looking at going to do your own research, use something like DuckDuckGo, like not something like Google, because Google will filter out a lot of the the results that you might be looking for. Uh, yeah. in regards to this particular subject. Okay. So far away. All right. So uh, the whole point of this, this conversation is to speak about uh, the lab leak theory in regards to the origins of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, as a, as a setup for this, obviously, we all know COVID has been around now for about 18 months. It's completely changed the world and the way that our societies behave, mm -hmm. our movements, etc. And you have to agree that it's obviously had a massive impact on the way we live and probably the way that we will live into the near future. So obviously, uh, being able to ascertain the uh, correct origins of the virus itself is extremely important so we know what to do next time or what not to do next time, mm. would be, be fair to say. Now, the, the mainstream media narrative throughout the entire thing has been that it came from a wet market in China, in mm -hmm. Wuhan, China. So bat there's, salad? Yeah, bat, bat salad or bat soup. Yep. So there's, there's no arguments that it, came from, that it came from anywhere else other than Wuhan, China. Yep. So there's no arguments against that. And again, I just want to reiterate, if you've started this, if you're already starting to scrunch your face up, please just hear it out right until the end yep. because there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into this. So I want to set up the conversation by um, introducing some, uh, some key information and some key figures that are involved in this. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the major piece of information that is... The, the theory is founded on is so by now you should probably know because it has been on the news even in Australian media which has been slow to uptake it that there is the Wuhan Institute of Virology it, so it's a Chinese lab in Wuhan where they do uh, research and studies on uh, viruses mm -hmm. right so again that's something that everybody now knows uh, 
that now there's a term called gain of function research which many of you may not know what gain of function research actually is yet and if you don't essentially what gain of function research is is they take a a animal virus or animal coronavirus for example they do experiments on it to essentially juice it up and see if they can make it infected like infective for humans so if you can actually go from species infectious, to humans, infectious yeah. to humans so you can go from species to species and the whole theory behind gain of function research is sound the idea is that these viruses one day will eventually mutate and be able to infect humans mm. so we want to be a step ahead of that so we want to know we can have vaccines ready to go we can have treatment options ready to sure. go okay so that's the theory behind it now there's, there's two main characters that I want to speak about in regards to the Western world's response to COVID-19, the whole pandemic. Well, don't you need to talk about when the gain of function... I, I, will. I will. I want to introduce two main characters sure. first, and then I'm going to go through the timeline. Okay. So the two main characters I want to speak about is Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Peter Daszak. So Dr. Anthony Fauci is the head of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases uh, in America. And he's been the director of that since about 1984, mm -hmm. I believe. Now, the NIAID is a sub-agency of the National Institute of Health. So the full uh, health institute in, in America. Sure. And what's very important to understand is that as, as, as the director of that uh, sub-agency of the NIH, the NIAID is the body which uh, approves research funding for anything to do with allergens and infectious diseases. Sure. So that's what, that's what Fauci's job essentially is. He approves the funding of different projects, usually through American companies, but potentially around the world as well. Sure. Okay. And Dr. Peter Daszak is the director of another company in America called the EcoHealth Alliance. And the EcoHealth Alliance uh, also is involved with uh, research on infectious diseases and cures and etc. So let's step out the timeline. So back in 2011-2012, uh, there was a scientist that released a paper based on uh, gain-of-function research and was speaking about how it could potentially, if you if you have mistakes or you have issues, could potentially, you know, you wreak havoc, wreak havoc on the world, on right? The world. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, in the entire time he has been the director of the NIAID, has been very much pro gain of function research. Sure. And at the time, they were actually funding gain of function research. Mm -hmm. In 2014, under the Obama administration, uh, Barack Obama actually put a ban on any sort of funding for gain of function research. So that's 2014. Yep. Even so, in between 2014 and 2016, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci approved more than $3.6 million worth of grants to the Wuhan lab. Mm -hmm. In 2017, under the sort of uh, chaos which was the Trump administration, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci himself actually reversed the ban on funding gain-of-function research. Right. Right, and again, you wouldn't have seen anything about on news stories because there's so much more in the news cycle at that particular time. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Well, we never talk about it anyway. We never talk about it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, 
then obviously we've got so from 2017 the ban's been lifted uh and they've started funneling some money through now when Fauci, i think it was 2018 fauci approved a grant to the eco health alliance which is peter Daszak's company mm-hmm. the entire amount of that grant money which is about seven hundred thousand dollars peter Daszak then funneled through to the wuhan institute of virology 2019 so November 2019, three lab technicians from the Wuhan Institute of Virology checked into the hospital with COVID-like symptoms. Sure. Obviously, 2020 rolls around, and we all know the story from there. The, the virus essentially was able to leave the country, and it's sort of all spread around the world. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really important out of all of this stuff is a lot of these timelines and activities have been confirmed recently due to a freedom of information act request which has released more than 3200 pages of dr anthony fauci's own emails because he is a public official unelected but he is a public official and i encourage you to actually look into them and read through some of these timelines and i'll I'll put a link to something that gives a, a further timeline of the email exchanges from particularly from january uh, 2020 onwards mm-hmm. in regards to what was being spoken about by Dr. Anthony Fauci behind the scenes compared to what he was actually speaking about uh, on to the press or sure. when he was doing his press conferences yeah. and stuff well, like to that. to the people, like speaking directly. To, to the people, people. Yeah, that's right. he's given a massive platform yes. to, to speak on. It was almost, it's like our health ministers uh, that are like our state ones in Australia mm. that had, in the height of it, were talking every day. Every day. Yeah, every single yeah. day. And, and, that's what you want, right? Because as, sure. as people, we want our health officials who are in charge of the response to these things to be giving us the information that we need to know to be able to protect ourselves. Yeah. Now, to just to, to throw it out there right now before we keep going, the Australian health officials' response to it, I cannot see anything that indicates that there is anything untowards in regards to what Australia is doing. We are taking, our health officials are taking the advice from the World Health Organization and they are applying it over here. Mm. There is one... Victoria. Well, there is one key difference in the Australian response than what has happened a lot overseas, and particularly America, which is our quarantine system and our um, our self-isolation for two weeks for people in, entering and exiting mm. the country. So you'd find it remarkable. I've, I've got a friend of mine who uh, their partner went to America in 2020, so towards the end of 2020, and even during the height of the pandemic, they don't do any hotel quarantine system. So you can fly into the country and you can go wherever you want. Mm. One of the keys to Australia's response to this has been we've kept people in a hotel for two weeks until hopefully they're not infectious and then we let them out to the community. So that's been a really big thing for us. But uh, I just want to um, sit on that for a second. Yep. What I find is mental about our response is exactly that, that mm-hmm. we've got a, a pandemic that's ravaging the world mm. and we have entrusted hotels yep. in Australia to handle yeah it's insane yeah to me that's a like and, and i've spoken to someone about this really early on we were joking about the movie et remember when they went in et hmm. when they they find out that he's now in you got those plastic sheets set up you got the military in there yeah you've got people that are are um trained in biological attacks yeah. that are facilitating that you don't have minimal minimum wage cleaners cleaning rooms we, that yeah so why yeah. are we putting them at risk and then yeah. employing uh 
security services that are not qualified yeah. for this. And that caused a lot of issues. Now, Absolutely. it's easy to say in hindsight, hey, we should have fixed that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I know at the time, I was thinking, eh, like, that's that seems like a pretty heavy job. Definitely. For a hotel chain. Absolutely. But it, I guess to, to, to throw out some sort of defense to it, at least we've done something. Sure. And, and Australia is well known around the world. Our quarantine systems for everything are really, really difficult. So... Like the amount of times I've been uh, overseas, and they're like, "Okay, you can't bring that. You can't bring a sandwich on the plane back towards, mm. you know, to Australia. You can take whatever you want out, but you can't take anything yeah. back." So you can't bring hundreds of kilos of cocaine. You can, and actually, funny anecdote too. When I was in year ten, I went on the Japan trip, and I bought, I brought a uh, replica samurai sword in my carry-on luggage on the plane, and this is two thousand and three at the yeah, time. Yeah. How they let that on, I don't know. But yeah. anyway. They did pip you for pens though, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah. They uh they when they were putting my bag through the scanner, they they found something that looked like this, and it's because I had a box of pens. Yeah. And yeah. so they took the pens, but they left the samurai sword in my do. bag. Do. Okay, so so getting back to to this. Now why why is this important? Why is this important to note? The reason why it's important is because our in Australia, our health response to this has been completely dictated to us by the World Health Organization. And when you look at the players that are involved, so, sorry, let, let me get back to the, the timeline a little bit. So early uh, January, February 2020 uh, was when, obviously, we, we started to realize what was happening, that there was the pandemic. We started to try to figure out what this thing was. Now, people need to know, judging by the emails, there were already emails being passed back and forth for months prior to Fauci actually coming out and telling the people what is actually going on. Sure. And to the effect of uh, there was an email exchange between him and Dr. Peter Dajic where Peter Dajic literally says, we've, we've analyzed the, the genome sequence of the virus and you have to look really, really close to it, but it's less than 1% or less than 0.1% of the virus uh, looks like it's been genetically engineered. There was also emails to the effect that they were stating that the uh, mutation of the virus itself is not in line with anything they would expect from evolutionary theory. Right. So in other words, at this time, these two guys, at the, at the start of 2020, they knew that there was a high likelihood that this thing did leak from a lab and was genetically engineered. Yeah. Okay. At the same time... Well, not necessarily leak from a lab. But was man-made. Was at least genetically engineered. Yes, it was yeah, man-made. Yeah. It was man-made. So then the story started circulating about like the bat suit story. Mm. Okay. And you have to ask yourself, so what what why would they circulate a story like that if they're our public health officials and it's the wrong story? Well, at the end of the day, you've got Dr. Anthony Fauci is directly involved in it because it was his signing off on the research grant, sending it to Dr. Peter Dajek, who then funneled that money through to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So the guy who is in charge of the global response to this virus potentially is directly involved in the creation of it by directly funding that research. Mm. And now we, 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 we don't think this is done on purpose. We think no. this is purely an accident yeah. that, that's happened, but the implications of... Uh, of, of America into that is exponentially bad, especially when when Trump was in power. He wanted China to pay for... That's right. He wanted reparations yeah. for the damage done. And then I think, like, the administrations, they're going, mm, like, stop talking about it because 
we're in it. Well, we'll see. Yeah, this is this is the the next element of this story. The worst possible thing that could have happened for all of us globally in regards to this pandemic is that it happened in an American election year mm -hmm. and one of the most polarizing elections of of history. Yeah. Right? And the problem was, as soon as Donald Trump called it the China virus, bang, that was the, the Democrats' uh, goldmine of you could just call him a racist and then campaign off, off that being racist. Mm -hmm. Now, in the meantime, Fauci's like, happy days, because now I've got the entire power of the Democratic Party, the mainstream media juggernaut, which backs them, mm -hmm. as well as the social media juggernaut, which was back in the Democratic Party as well. And there's reasons for that, too who are all going to push the theory that if you claim that it leaked from a Chinese lab, that you are racist. Yeah. And then it became toxic to even mention it. So as we, as we said before, the reason why we couldn't speak, like Alex and I have been talking about this for months between ourselves, because there's been that much evidence coming out over the months. If you know where to look, that has, you know, there's a, the, John Stewart appeared on uh, Colbert. Stephen Colbert's Amazing. show. I'll, I'll put a clip to the YouTube clip. And he, I don't want to steal his punchline, go and watch it. But n now once all this information is actually starting to leak out, it sounds so ridiculous to even assume that it came from anywhere other than yeah. the Wuhan Institute of Virology, right? Yeah. So we've said it a million times before, you follow the money. And the, the reality of the situation is that you've got Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is leading the response, who is directly responsible for funding the lab, when the World Health Organization finally was allowed entrance into China to do an investigation on the origins of the virus, it is also important to note that out of the 10 member panel that was sent into China to do their research, there was only one American who was on that team. And that American was Dr. Peter Dajic, who is directly responsible for funding the lab. And when they came back, the answer was, nah, well, it, it didn't come from the lab. Okay, well, how do you know that? We asked the Chinese scientists. Yeah, and didn't they only spend like three quarters of the day yeah. in there? Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't take long to rock up, ask someone to tell you the, the party line and then walk away. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. So, so now you're starting... Yeah, I've got an additional complication as well of it being China, which is very closed and insular. Like... Yeah. You you would not know the the uh, legitimacy of any information pulled in and out because it's so controlled. That's right. So yeah. you, you've got that layer plus the oh, shit. Did we do that? Like, but, and and again, so you then you add on the extra layer of there being the U.S. presidential election on, and anything that was anti-Trump spread like wildfire through mainstream media and social media. And again, calling Trump a racist for saying it's He's the China virus. Again. I will stop saying that. But calling Trump a racist for saying it's the China virus was a sales pitch. Yeah, for sure. To get Trump out of office. You've also got the fact that the social media companies were deliberately putting a halt on certain news stories mm -hmm. from, from circulating around. So if you, if you guys recall back to a previous episode we did last year where we spoke about censorship and how dangerous censorship can be, this is one of the best examples for that. Mm -hmm. The only reason why we are able to speak about this now on YouTube is because YouTube have updated their terms and conditions. If we would have had this conversation two months ago, we would have been banned from YouTube because in the 
in their legislation, well not legislation, but in their terms and conditions, it states that they were banning accounts for saying anything that was classed as medical misinformation. Mm -hmm. And what is medical misinformation? Anything that was anti what the World Health Organization was saying. Which is funny because did you hear a little crack during the last podcast about the BMI that, yeah. you know, we're obese, well, you're overweight, I'm obese. Yeah. And on, I just thought it was interesting that on our DEXA scan, it says as clear as day, like it's got it listed there and it's yeah. like, but it says like, this is a WHO thing that the That's WHO, right. and it's, it, it just seemed very dismissive in the way that it was. Well, it's interesting when you consider uh, the fact that you've, you've got 6% lower body fat than I do, yeah. but I'm overweight and you're obese. Yeah. Judging by the World Health Organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, there, there, again, there's, there's a lot that, uh, that goes into this. And what, what it really opens up the, the argument and, the, and really you're thinking to is, at the end of the day, this is the, the timeline the way that I see it. Obviously, China, funded by America, was doing research on bat coronaviruses which the Sky News Australia has also recently released footage of bats in the lab as well, which is something that Peter Dajek had vehemently yeah, I don't denied. Know how legit those are. It, yeah. to, to me, the, the footage looks like it was taken on a potato phone. It could have been done. Yeah, and look, again, take it with a grain of salt, sure. right? Just like all of this stuff, take, like take everything with a grain of salt, yeah. do your own research, come to your own conclusions. But the... When, the, when you have the players that are involved so heavily who are then dictating to us what the global health response to this is, you then need to start asking further questions as to, like, human beings just doing what human beings do. So China's, uh, with America's funding, is studying these coronaviruses and they have an accident. Mm -hmm. They have a mistake and that's where the three lab technicians who went to the hospital in November 2019 have probably infected people yeah. either in the hospital yeah. or, or in their communities, okay? There's a mistake. Now, for a start, China's never going to cop to it because you, if, you're, if you actually admit to this, it's like you see anyone who's accused of a crime in public life, they always deny it mm. because if you say, yeah, that was me, you're liable. Yeah. And you are going to be inter internationally liable for multi-trillions of dollars worth of damages and deaths. Yeah. China's never going to cop to that. Sure. Never once. So... They've obviously attempted a cover-up. Then the problem is, if this was something where... If, if America had not been funding this stuff... Yeah, if it was solely a Chinese yep, thing. enterprise, that's right. Yeah. Then perhaps the Americans who were leading it up might have actually gone on the forefront and gone, hey, this is the lab. Was it like... A lot of people don't even know that there's a lab there yet. Yeah. Like... Put it in the comments, how many of you out there listening to this before you've heard this conversation even knew that there was the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan? Please, please comment that and let us know. See, I think you'd find, I reckon if you looked back, if we round, wound back the clock on Australian media, mm -hmm. there was talks of lab leaks at the very beginning. There was. And then it pivoted to mm -hmm. the wet market. And, yeah. my, my, uh, and again, I'm not a scientist. No. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. But what I found really strange is that how can something from a bat, like from from animal, instantly yeah. become massively infectious? And that to me was it was always weird that you could just go and have like these wet markets are a part of Chinese culture. Mm. They've been around forever. Yeah. And we haven't seen a a virus go from zero to a hundred percent, you know, uh, uh in infection rate or whatever mm -hmm. 
so quickly. So yeah. that I always found that really strange. Yeah, and and even if you look into it too, there was out of the forty people who first tested positive for uh, COVID in China, uh, fourteen of them have never even come into contact with the wet markets in China. Mm. So, like that, yeah. There's the, the problem is this: human beings do what human beings do, and that's what you need to understand is that if think about a time in your life when you've been caught out with something major. Yeah. Right. Maybe it's a lie to someone, or you've you've royally stuffed something up at work, and and you or maybe you haven't even been caught out yet. What are you trying to do? More often than not, most of us are trying to hide it. We're trying to cover it up because we don't want to be directly responsible for a major fuck up. Yeah. This is a pretty major fuck up. Yeah. Really. So I did it once before at school. Yeah. I I did. So we were learning Excel. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I realized that if you hold control and page down, or control and the arrows or page down or something, mm. it would take you to the 65,000th cell. Right. So I went all the way down and then all the way across. And then I must have pushed a, like a space or a full stop there or something. And then accidentally hit print and left the class. <laughs> and it printed something. It just kept going through random paper. And someone yeah. kept, I think the teacher kept replacing it, thinking someone was printing something yeah, yeah. in the com- computer room. Yeah. Yeah. That was me. But yeah. uh, did you ever go and put your hand up? No. No. Denied. They knew it came from my computer. They could track it back to my computer. But I was like, oh, it's Excel. <laughs> yeah, well, at least they couldn't release your emails as well. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. I don't so, think I had emails then. No, probably not. Oh, no, I would have had a Hotmail account, I think. Yeah, okay. Was yeah. this was primary school? No, high school. Oh, high school. Oh, high school you would have had a Hotmail account. Email in primary school. Probably. I had email in primary school. Yeah. But you would have been already in high school. I think I was yeah. in year seven. But anyway, I digress. So why are we talking about this and why is this important? The reason for me why this is so important to speak about is because number one, it shows how easily manipulated all of us are. Mm-hmm. Because there, and it's not our fault, it's not your fault. There is a massive juggernaut out there which is telling you the information that you want to know. Or not that you want to know. That they want you to know. That they want you to know. Because the sheer fact that social media companies have been banning accounts or blocking people for speaking out about the lab leak theory for months because this go through you can do some research yourself the amount of accounts you're talking doctors physicians epidemiologists who have had themselves banned from youtube in in previous months for speaking out against this now then look the next obvious question is well, why, why have they got all these other scientists coming out, going on the news, and backing the Fauci bat story? Why would that be? Well, if any of you know how science works, especially when it comes to research, research requires funding. Mm. Dr. Anthony Fauci has been the funding god of American research in regards to infectious diseases since 1984. Mm. So if you come and speak out against him, he'll just cut your funding off. Yeah. They know this. They know this stuff. So yeah, you'll find some people who are like, and it, and they very they're like lawyers. They're all like lawyers. Fauci's like a lawyer as well. In his when he stood up and claimed in front of Congress that they have never uh, never funded gain of function research, and it was because he's trying to use his own specific definition of gain of function research. Yeah. That the the things that these scientists and though that would say would be something along the lines of, look, uh, the the. It's 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 consistent with what I would have expected to happen, yeah, right? Yeah. And we all like so they're not saying things which are technically wrong, but it the the devil is in the detail and what they're actually withholding. And so you, you, 
it's it's research bias. You find yeah. someone that's going to say what you want to say before you put them up on the yeah. pulpit and get get them to speak. That's easy. Yeah, but also if you if you know that, say you've you've done your entire career, and uh, if we're talking about America, if these research scientists might be saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of student debt if you're a medical researcher and then you've got your job and then you come out and you speak out against the grand poobah who mm. cuts your funding, do you think you'll ever get a job in that field ever again? Mm. No, because you're blacklisted. Mm. So the problem is, just like everything in this world, it's all about money. It's always about money. It is always about money because money is power and money can, like everyone's got a price. Every single person in this world has a price where all of a sudden their morals will go out the window. Mm. I want to give... Uh, th this is something that I've spoken about a few times. We, here in Australia, I agree. I think we've handled everything pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I don't think we've overly uh, politicised. Mm -hmm. I think we've looked after... We've tried to look after the health of our... Citizens, first and foremost, yep. suggesting that we're going to ban Australian citizens from India was a massive misstep, mm. but yep. I think they quickly realised that and changed it. Yeah. So I think, as a whole, we tried to do the right thing. But I want... What, what people need to understand is if you just think that they're always doing it right, mm. I can give you an example where they got it really, really wrong, mm -hmm. and it's still wrong now, and it's still not being fixed, mm -hmm. which is the weapons of mass destruction and the war in Afghanistan. That's right. Most people don't know, we are still there. Yeah. It's the longest war. This war has gone longer than the world wars. Yeah. We went over there on false intelligence, which is now proven to be true. Mm -hmm. Tony Blair, George Bush... Guilty, mm -hmm. right, of starting an illegal war. Yeah. Have, no one talks about it. No. But we have forgotten that our brothers and sisters are still over there. Yeah. We've, we have forgotten that the people who have had their country ravaged for over 10 years mm -hmm. over a lie. Yeah. A proven lie. It, it, this, this is... This is uh, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, like Tony Blair is a war criminal. Mm. He got us involved in a war on false pretenses. Yeah, they don't always. The government does not always get it right. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, the media, the way the media works, is they get let off because mm -hmm. we're not talking about it. Well, there's an interesting point on this as well. And obviously, where there's culture wars going on in Western countries at the moment. Just full on culture wars, and and you'll see it every day where there'll be some news story which comes out which you know is going to be inflammatory in nature, and it it's designed to have people pick a side and yell at each other over it. Yeah, because what the powers that be understand is that we are really easy to distract. Yeah, we are very easy to distract. That you just bring up a hot button topic, and you go go at it, guys, go at each other. Yeah, and then the social media algorithms they support that as well. They yeah. support that conflict because. What person person A on their side of the argument is only going to see information that supports their side of the argument. And then person B on the other side is only going to see stories and information that supports their side of the argument. 
And then when they meet in the middle, which is usually in the comments of a post about it, which might be from a, let's say, you know, a, a news institution goes, oh, like, you know, news story, like breaking news, this thing's come up. And then you'll just see the culture wars in the comments. And as we always know, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle, but we're getting further and further away from the middle. And we're being driven to do that because the more we argue with each other, the less we're looking at the people who are actually pulling strings and, and making things happen and going, hang on a minute. Like I'm, I'm over here arguing about, if you want, like, let's go back 10 years. I'm over here arguing about same sex marriage and we're in, involved in a war that's on false pretenses. It's an illegal war. It's an illegal war. Yeah. So they've always been very, very good at this. And I, I've often spoken about my laments in regards to the internet because when the internet first came out, it was heralded as like happy days. It's the we're now in the information generation. We we can unlimited know, information at your fingertips at all time for free. That's that, right. That was how. And you can find information on any subject in the world on the internet. So we can actually find the truth now. Yeah. But you can't. No. And as I as I stated earlier, one of the most problematic elements to this was this kicked off during the American presidential election? Because back in, like, when, when Trump was still in power, Trump was trying to change the rules around social media companies and how they governed. Mm. And this is a big problem, which a lot of people don't understand. So if a, I can't remember what the actual law is called. That, can you remember the, the law name? Anyway, uh, the, if, it, if a news company posts a, a does a news story which potentially slanders someone, uh, as a publisher of that content, you can actually sue that news company and, for publishing that if it's yeah. defamation or misinformation or whatever the case may be. So there's, there's, there's a legal obligation for a news company to at least not flat the out publisher. The, the publisher. publisher. Yeah. Now, social media companies, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, etc., they are protected with the content that goes on their platforms by this special law because it's technically user-generated content. Yeah, they're so the th aggregator of the information. That's they're right. Not the creator, they're, they're not a publisher. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, I cop that. that. That's fine. I, I cop that too. Yeah. Except then they control the flow of information that actually gets dispersed on their platforms. Yeah. Which is sort of like what a publisher would do because a, a publisher will either agree to publish your book and do a million copies and, and push the marketing on it, or they'll maybe they'll agree to publish your book, but they're like, oh, we're not going to invest too much in that. I, I agree and disagree. I, I don't think they saw it like that, but the algorithm that was used to push advertising to get uh, to get engagement yep. naturally like uh, pushed in the way of extreme news views yeah, for sure but, but like, i think the algorithm's a problem yeah definitely yeah. but we're also we're also getting away from the key point and the key point is this donald trump's administration was trying to change those laws that would cost the social media companies billions of dollars mm. billions of dollars therefore the social media companies well and truly got behind the democratic party during that election yeah. and joe biden to the tune of, I think it was, uh, Facebook donated $350 million mm -hmm. to the Democratic Party. Google, something similar. But it goes further than that because it's also the dispersal of information on their platforms. Mm -hmm. And this is what brings us back to where we're at now in regards to this lab leak theory. It was seen as racist because Donald Trump said that it came, it was the China virus, it came from China, and China's going to pay. 
So what stories went around social media that you guys have all read? It was all things about the racist origins of the lab leak theory and how yeah. Donald Trump's the bad man and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And now, now that Trump's out of office, all of a sudden... And now that he's out of office and it's with let uh, it simmer for a while. And a bit of a gap. also key point... He's off social media too. Yeah. So he's been out of office since the start of the year. But he's I been, told you. Yeah, but he's been banned from social <laughs> yeah, media since yeah, the start yeah. of the year as well. And now all of a sudden, it's when it's when it's too late to matter. Yeah. The story is starting to leak out, and you're not seeing much of it on uh, Australian television yet. Yeah. You're not, but you will. I guarantee you, you will. Yeah, like, it's coming. It's coming. It like, is coming. I mean, we we always lag behind the states. Yep. Uh, where does where does old Billy G fit in with your timeline? And is that something so, you want to talk about now? Or? So, oh, well, you brought it up, so let's let's talk about it. So, as far as so, Billy G is Bill Gates. Yes. Now, you might also notice that Bill Gates has disappeared from our headlines, even though he was on our TV almost every day too for the yeah. last twelve months. Yeah. And it's been because of him and Melinda's publicized uh, public publicized whatever uh, divorce and. Melinda Gates's lawyers have come out saying that the partial reason for the divorce is Bill Gates's uh, close affiliation with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Now, to me, well, hold on. Where does his story start? Well, in his this. in this. Well, his 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 key figure in this. Well, I mean, he's basically been the uh, he was running public global health for what before what? that twenty sixteen TED talk. No, well, it's not before that. Sorry, he's been running public health before that. Well, no, but what did he do? That was... That's okay, how about you explain it? <laughs> 20, I, think, I can't remember if it was 2014 or 2016, he did the TED Talk. Yeah. Talking about how the world is not ready for a global pandemic. Yeah. He laid it out, and it has gone almost exactly to that yeah. plan. And in the meantime, what was he working on? He was working on vaccines, um, vaccine research. Mm-hmm. And owning a lot of the intellectual property surrounding, and that's the key. Yeah. So the the issue that we have now is that so so uh, in the news oh, that they, they haven't spoken about it here. I haven't seen it spoken about it here, but mm-hmm. India got apparently ravaged, and the oh you might know this better than me. The system that was decided to help the world roll out the vaccine was that the rich country, countries would develop it and get vaccinated first. And then those rich countries would then cascade, they would pay for and donate and doses, donate doses yeah. to second and third world countries. Yeah. India was saying, hey, we've got labs ready to go. Yeah, factories ready to go. Give us the recipe yeah. and we'll do it ourselves so we can action this now. Yeah, so we can, and not just help themselves, but to help other countries yeah. globally. Yeah. And when Bill Gates was pressed by this, like, why wouldn't you just give up the IP? He's like, no, I won't, I won't do it. And his argument is that, oh, they won't do it right. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. His like his argument was that you know it's not not every factory can just produce this stuff, and uh, you have to do it right. And people are really concerned with like trust in companies, so it needs to be from reputable companies, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And, and okay, so so let's unpack this. Thing. <laughs> so. Bill Gates made his fortune on IP protection because of Microsoft. So he he yeah. he created very very good programs and, and couldn't keep viruses out of Windows. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Well, 
did he release the viruses to sell antivirus? We never know. Um, so the whole way he created his fortune was yes, he created amazing technologies, and hey, I'm like we're recording this on a on a Windows laptop. Yeah. Uh, but the way he made his money was out of uh, intellectual property protections. And so if anyone wanted to use his technology, you had to come to Bill for that technology, yeah. right? Now, he has been championing IP his entire professional life and has been championing IP for the vaccine companies in this global pandemic. So the vaccine companies we've got at the moment, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, you've got AstraZeneca, you've got Johnson & Johnson. Those yeah. are your main four, at least that we're hearing about because... China, Russia, they've actually got their own. Yeah, but we Sputnik's got the best name. Yeah, Sputnik. Yeah, um, and it's apparently very effective too. Um, only kills Putin's political enemy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where this is what people also need to understand in regards to money, okay? Because we follow the money. Mm. So, Doctor Bill has been championing the rights to... So so the American government has got the powers to have emergency veto status on IP and they could have gone out and said, no, you guys have to share it and we have to... Like, yeah. it's a global health pandemic. It's an emergency. You have to share your IP. Yeah. So we can, we can smash this thing. And funnily enough, that hasn't happened. And Dr. Bill's a big part of that because mm. he's been championing that particular element of it. And before you start going, yeah, but like, why shouldn't these companies that have developed this technology be able to make money out of it? We'll delve into it further. mRNA technology was actually created via publicly funded research. Mm. So the, the American taxpayers funded these, sorry, funded these research centers and would, these research places were given grants by guys like Dr. Fauci to create this technology. Then these private companies have come through and they've gone, thank you for that technology. We are going to bring a product to market. Mm. So Pfizer themselves made $3.5 billion in the first quarter of this year alone. Mm. That is one of these companies that like, so you're four of them. That's one, mm. 3.5 billion in three months at the beginning of this year using technology that was created via research funded by the American yeah. taxpayer. So you've got taxpayer money funding research to give the intellectual property to a private company to make billions during a global pandemic whilst people are dying. I'm sure they paid for it. Yeah, I don't think they would have paid very much. No, no, they definitely would have got a good return. And yeah. on the return, that's what, so I've heard Bill Gates say that in an interview. He's like, what? Uh, someone said, why, why are you getting into the, the vaccine game? And he's like, well, you get a 20 times return and you don't often get a 20 times return in anything yep. else. So from a, purely from a financial standpoint, it's, it's one of the best things to do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> yeah. That's um, why you follow the money. Yeah. Even, even if you look at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the, the actual documents showing where they invest their money, 5% of the money in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation actually goes towards the research that they claim they do, like all the polio yeah. vaccines and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. Bill's work on polio, like, have you got polio? It's done, they've done good things, right? But there's a difference in that they've done a lot of, you know, actual testing mm. and trials and et cetera, et cetera, in regards to those vaccinations, and you've got long-term efficacy and safety data to, to support them. 
So 5% of the money in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation actually goes to these causes. The other 95% is invested. And well, the way that you can argue that is they go, well, yeah, well, they're investing it because obviously you want to pr protect them. The more money they have, the more funding they can yeah, do. And, and that's, that's how those bursaries work. Yeah. Yeah. But most people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. As well. Yeah, but the, the, I'm fine with that function. I understand mm. that if you if you are a, uh, what's it called when you, uh, when you're a philanthrop philanthropist, philanthropist, one of the ways that you, when you set up a foundation, the idea of that foundation is you give them a large lump of money, they don't use all that money. They use, they siphon the profits off yeah. that investment so yeah. that it can be long lasting. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah and that, I, that to I, me I makes sense as well. Yeah. But uh, again, what, what doesn't make sense to me is private companies making multi-billions of dollars during a global health pandemic which has killed however many million people worldwide due to IP protections by Dr. Bill and the American government where they're using taxpayer-funded technology. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty whacked out when you think about it. Mm. And then I have a problem with also the amount of marketing free marketing that they get from mm. governments about yeah pushing product but that's a follow the money element as well so sure. so funnily enough this week so i think it was thursday night this week was when the australian government has come out and they've changed their guidance on who can get the astrazeneca vaccine mm. because at the so you got to remember back when we were first starting our vaccine rollout the australian government had done a deal with astrazeneca where we were going to produce astrazeneca vaccine over here in this country mm. so australian government sees it as an opportunity so we can actually manufacture something and have an export again yeah. i think it was actually around the corner from here the uni that's around yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so dollar signs they see dollar signs and you'll remember the uh messaging on television around that time was great news we're all going to get astrazeneca how good is it going to be mm. it's safe and effective and it was safe and effective even during when all of the blood clot issues were starting to come out of Europe because Europe got it before we did. Mm. It was Scandinavia. It didn't happen in Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah. And, and across Europe as well. Uh, I know Germany was probably one of the first places to shut down uh, AstraZeneca vaccinations to yeah. figure out what was going on. But even during all of those reports, we were still having our health minister come out on TV going, no, nah, no, nah, guys, it's all good. It's safe and effective and we've done trials and... Uh, I've actually read through the Therapeutic Goods Administration trials. They rushed them. There's mm. no animal testing and they joined phase two and phase three together in most cases. Mm. That's not real trials. That's not the same trials on every other vaccine that we've used in mm. uh, in public widespread public usage. And we get it. You're supposed to rush it out, but... But... Did the, we have to rush it? Okay, this is a thing that really pissed me off right at the beginning of the AstraZeneca rollout. So when, when these issues were happening in Europe, they put... On Australian television and they played it over and over again which is why I'll never forget it but they played the it was like the chief health officer of the European Union addressing the European Union saying we understand there's concerns around the vaccine but the benefits of taking the AstraZeneca vaccine far outweigh the risks and they were playing that on Australian TV mm -hmm. now that was at a time where we so we had we'd had I think 900 people die from COVID in 12 months 10 so, 18 months yeah, yeah 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 but i think it was 909 at the time they were playing this i think yeah, we've yeah. had one since then yeah now i spoke to a mate of mine who lives in scotland and during this particular time uh, scotland itself was having about 900 people die a day mm. so yeah the the it made sense like the benefits outweighed the risks in a country where you're having that sort of death toll every day and the cases ravaging those countries 
but they were like she wasn't talking to Australia. She wasn't addressing Australia. Mm. She was talking to those countries. Mm. But we played it on Australian TV as a sales pitch to say, hey, even though they're having all these blood clot cases, it's still the, the benefits outweigh the risks. Mm. And it was safe and effective until it wasn't. Yeah. And then when it wasn't, they changed the guidance on it that only people over the age of 50 could have it. Mm. Because it was safe and effective for people over the age of 50 until it wasn't, which was on Thursday. And on Thursday, they decided that it's not safe and effective for people between the ages of 50 and 59. It now is only 60 pluses that it's safe and effective for. And, but still urging people to go out if and If you get... follow that trend line, where does it go? Well, uh... So are we going to say only 100-year-olds? Like, in, in three months' time, we're going to be like, well, you've got to be over 100. Yeah. yeah. Safe and well, hey, look, the cynic in me states that anyone who's taking vaccinations that potentially dies from them that are over the age of 60, it's way easier to argue that there were other factors involved sure. than someone who's 50 or younger, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. let's talk about the data. Because... This is something else that people do not hear about because it's not spoken about on television. To date, uh, and this is, and I'll, I'll put the link in, in the, the comments, the Therapeutic Goods Administration website, so the Australian government website, has a thing called the Weekly COVID Safety Report. And it is reports on adverse events post-COVID vaccinations. And it's all the different vaccines that will, we've only really got two available in this country at the moment, which is Pfizer and AstraZeneca. And uh, to, uh, as at June 13, 2021, we have had 303 reports of death following vaccination. We have, have had 60 reports of deaths from what they call TTS, which is the thrombosis with thrombocytopenia, which is the blood clot issue, mm. which is directly related to AstraZeneca. So consider that. We've only been vaccinating people in this country since February. And I know there's been millions of people who've had a dose. I get that. But we've only had 910 people die from COVID so far this year. We've had 303 people die directly post-vaccination. But I guarantee you, there's a large percentage of you who've never heard that number. Yeah. Because they don't speak about it on the media. It's on the, it's hiding in plain sight on the government's yeah, own website. It's freely available to see. Yep. And when I've told people that figure, they're they're like astonished. Yeah. They when think you it's ask bullshit. Them, you ask that the like how many people do you think have died of COVID in twenty twenty one? And like, oh I don't know, fifty, sixty, I'm like one. One. And how many people had, do you think have died from the vaccine? And they say, Oh, maybe ten, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Three hundred and three. Three oh three. Now, here's something else that's problematic for me, because I was having a conversation with someone very near and dear to me the other day, and it was in regards to the fact that they thought vaccination was the best way to protect themselves because there's no treatment options <laughs> for COVID. Yeah. I sent them an article from July 2020, Sydney Morning Herald reported July 2020, that Australian hospitals have been approved for the usage of a drug called remdesivir to treat COVID patients. Now, any of you who are out there who are, who are again, still just thinking about all the different cases and that sort of thing that we've had recently, Melbourne just had just undergone another lockdown for two weeks. I think there were 60 cases or something of COVID. How many deaths? Zero. Okay. It went through four nursing homes. <laughs> four nursing homes and we've had zero deaths. And the reason why we've had zero deaths is because the hospitals now have treatment options available to treat very ill patients, yeah. which is why no one's dying. Now, again, go back to our, the beginning of the pandemic and our pandemic response. What was the message? The message was we needed to flatten the curve. That's why we had lockdowns, social distancing, 
mask wearing, uh, all of the, the things that we put in place was to flatten the curve. What was the curve? The curve was the amount of patients going into hospitals so the medical system could actually sure. keep up with it. Makes sense. It was, a, it was a good strategy. That's right. And again, you've got to remember, that's back before we had remdesivir in hospitals because yeah. we didn't know how to treat it. Yeah. So right from the beginning, the the idea to treat the disease was like for really bad people putting them on ventilators. Yeah. Then they found out it made it, made it worse. Yeah. So we've gone from the beginning of the pand pandemic, by July we had figured out enough to know how to at least treat patients when they came into hospitals. And then the death toll starts lowering down. Mm. You, you've got to ask yourself why we're still doing well, lockdowns also, this year. What about that article at Griffith University on the Gold Coast? Yep. Has... They, they've done animal testing and think they have got a effectively a cure yeah. for it. Don't you think it's crazy that they have to do animal testing for uh, for a cure, but you yeah. don't have to do animal testing for a vaccine? Yeah. And he also was like, he, he said it in a way, I think it was a bit of a, a sideways comment too, that I don't think he's going to get funding here. I think he's going to have to take it overseas. Yeah, probably. Because follow the money. Australia has done a deal with Moderna now. So because we couldn't do the AstraZeneca thing, we've now done a deal with Moderna where we will be manufacturing Moderna vaccines by the end of this year. And what sells better? Uh, sorry, what's more profitable? Uh, treating people that... Like, what's what's the... What, how many cases have we had? Cases, not deaths. How many cases? I think in total we've had 30,000 cases. Yeah, so you would treat 30,000 people or vaccinate... 25 million. 25 million. Yeah. And can we not forget for a second too that even before we had treatment options available, this was a virus that had a 99% survival rate? Yeah. And what about the uh, what about the variant talk? Okay. Because I just want to say this. So Jason called it really early on and we've laughed about it. Jason was like whatever the hot topic is at the time becomes that new variant. Yeah. So there was the, the first one was the UK variant. Yeah, so you had UK variant. You had which was 60% Yeah, 60% more transmissible. Yeah, then there was the... The South were, African variant. Yeah. And then Jason's joke is like, is there going to be like a, like a, I'm making this up now, Big Brother variant. Yeah. You know, what else, a hot topic is going to be a Shane Warne variant. Mm. Is it going to be a, insert keyword yeah. of the time and call it a variant to try and make it sound scarier. Yeah. And we hear these people, like these people that have it, and they do the contact tracing. Their partners barely even got it. Yeah. And I'm like, these variants are. And it's don't you find it interesting how it's the messaging is every single time there's a new variant. So the latest have been the Indian and the Delta variant. The Delta I thought was a cool brand. I thought Delta was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully there's going to be like Maverick Renegade. Variant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but every single time there's this three thousand. Yeah. Every single time there's apparently a new variant that comes out, uh, it's more transmissible and more deadly. And yet, less people get it, and less people die. <laughs> and the current vaccines work. Yeah, it don't, that's interesting as well. So, and, okay, let's get into a little bit more study. Alright? So, consider this. We might need to pause. Okay, let's pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, getting back to the, the speak on variants. Mm. Okay, so, so consider this. Uh, the vaccines have been told right from the beginning that they uh, apparently obviously protect us from all the different variants that come out. 
Now, any time that you've ever been given an antibiotic from a doctor, mm -hmm. they usually only give you like a, a script, right? And it goes for a certain period of time and you're not supposed to take them long-term or anything like that. Why is that? The reason why we don't just... You, let's use, I, get, I used to get tonsillitis a lot and I got it at the start of this year. It was one of the things that made me sick. So they give me penicillin. And so you might go, oh, okay, well, why wouldn't you just take penicillin once a week or, or something like that? Because then you'll just never get it back again. Sure. Well, the reason why is because you get a thing they call antibiotic resistant diseases. So if there's too many people out there taking these antibiotics, what happens is the viral pathogens that make you ill, they get used to them. They figure it and out. And then all of a sudden, yeah. those pills don't work anymore. Sure. Now, consider that we've got vaccines which are all designed based on the original Wuhan variant. Yeah based off the spike protein, which they're starting to realize is the problem. But we've been told this entire time that it will protect you from future variants, which again is just a sales pitch to get you to get them, really. Now, well, no, I, think, I think it's legit because the variants don't change by... No, it, it, the, I, sorry, don't, the percentage of change is so small. Mm. You, you can say it's 60% more, but it's, that's just like a math, maths magic where... Mm where it's not 99.91% uh, yeah I, I think the I'll, I'll find a link to the actual study but I'm pretty sure that they have that an epidemiologist has said that the actual variance since the initial uh, virus it's like 0.3% or something like that has like actually mutated. changed mutated yeah. yeah but but consider this so that is 0.3% mutation in a time where the virus has really had no problem spreading. That, that, that's why would, you, why would you change when you've had no problem spreading anyway? Because sure. that's what you're designed to do. It's yes. survival, right? Jumping from host to host. So then the more people that it comes into contact to that have had the vaccines that's then ineffective, well, it might start mutating a bit more because that's how antibiotic resistant... Uh, viruses work right because you still get it with the, well you still get it that's right but then maybe it's less effective so then it might try to mutate itself so it's more effective mm. and then what happens oh we need our booster shots please mm. we know oh great news guys we've been working real hard here at pfizer and we've come out with a new vaccine booster shot you only need to get it's just one shot the new vaccine booster shot and that will protect you from the for new yeah, for, for 12 months, for and it'll, be, it'll just become like the flu vaccine. Yeah. Like an industry has popped, a billion dollar industry has popped up in 12 months. And again, it's not, it wasn't manufactured and released on purpose to create an industry. No. We're not saying that at all. But there's an old saying in politics, which is, you always have to make the best of a good crisis. Mm. And, and that's, what, that's what has happened. Mm. And the reason why it is so important for us to speak to you about this stuff is... You're not going to hear it. Number one, you're not going to hear it. Well, you will, but by the time you hear it, it'll be too late. Yeah. Because it always is. And like you said, like the WMD thing, we just move on to the, into the next yeah. part of the part of the news cycle. Yeah. Alex Jones has been called crazy for years for talking about the Epstein thing. And then that became true when it was convenient for it to come out. Yeah. Because how many people's attention did the Epstein story captivate over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's, it's been all-encompassing. Yeah. Um, I want to say this. So, the... And I know you've had it. Mm -hmm. I've had it less so, but when you bring these topics out to a lot of people, yeah. you tend to get 
tarred as a conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theorist. Yeah. What I want to challenge you to do is if you are feeling that way, as soon as you call someone a conspiracy theorist, you no longer have any vested interest in finding out the other side of things. It's like calling them a racist. Yeah, once you label it, you've dismissed any further thinking. It's a, it's a two-word KO uh, to, win, to win the it's argument. It's a flawless victory. That's right. But you've only, all you've done is stop short of, of uh, thinking for yourself. Yeah. I've had this argument, um, I've spoken to you about it, I've spoken to a couple of my friends, when you're trying to innovate something, because I've got a project that I'm working on at the moment, mm-hmm. and some of the issues I've had is when I talk to people about it, they just go, nah, that won't work, or that'll be yeah. pretty hard. Yep. Well, when you say that, you, you, you are no longer thinking about opportunities or thinking about the information you're given. Yeah. You've just put a full stop on it. Yeah, full you're, stop. you're not trying to find solutions. Yeah, too hard. Mm-hmm. I'm not moving on. Like, like, it's done now. It's done. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's the same as when you call someone a conspiracy theorist. Yep. Saying someone's a conspiracy theorist doesn't, it doesn't benefit you. Mm. You think you've walked away winning the conversation, but you actually haven't taken anything away from them. You're, you're not listening to the other side. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I, I just want to say let's be smart about it let's be i'm happy to see if you've got if you've got data i Mm -hmm. want to share i want to share it we i've got an open mind yeah i'll listen to what you've got to say look the fact that we're even having this conversation shows that we have open minds because we're open to information that's not widely out there yeah and we're open to being called crazy conspiracy theorists like that's that's fine if that's the way that you want to feel about it that's okay, but all we're asking is to at least open your mind to the possibility that some of this stuff might be true. Because there's another old saying, which is that people who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I feel like we are we are failing to learn from our history. We have not learned from weapons of mass destruction. And like you brought up the name Tony Blair. Tony Blair was wheeled out all over Australian television uh, back in the day to, to get us all rolled up, saying that there was WMDs over there. I was going to enlist. I was so amped by it. I think yeah. it was 18. I was I was so amped by it. Yeah. I was I told my parents that I was enlisting into the military. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how amped up I was about. That's it. right. And it was all a lie. And we haven't heard from him ever since until now when he's been wheeled out on UK TV to convince people to get vaccinated. Yeah. Like it the I think what what the greater conversation is in regards to this is how much personal responsibility you want to take for your own health. That's, that's my argument. So, so you might wonder, okay, what can I do? Well, this is what I've done at least this year. Cause you guys know I've been sick on and off this year. Mm. Hey, no, no vaccine coming out for all the stuff that I'm taking home from daycare. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's knocked me around. That's not me too. That's, that's hard stuff. Yeah. That's real stuff. <laughs> that's, that's real, real stuff. stuff. Yeah. Uh, not saying COVID's not real. No, COVID no, is real and real. it is dangerous if you get it. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. Um, but what have I done? So I, I take vitamins. I have cut down on alcohol. I haven't had a drink of alcohol for six weeks. Mm. Now, again, that's been a brought on by the vertigo thing because for me, drinking alcohol would have been the mm. worst thing in the world. Mm. But now that I'm basically healed up from that, I'm still not drinking alcohol. I'm exercising more. I'm taking probiotics. So with the amount of antibiotics that I've been on in the last five months, I know my gut biome's probably shot to shit. Mm. It's killed all the good bacteria as well. So I'm trying to put good bacteria back in my body to keep myself healthy i've changed my course since the rona yep. which is because i'm a heavy vitamin user mm-hmm. but what i've added is quercetin yep. and vitamin c palmitate yep. which is not ascorbic acid it's yep. it's a and I, I still take it the ascorbic acid as well mm-hmm. 
and is it a, vitamin is D. Is it a new variant of vitamin C? <laughs> vitamin D and, and calcium, which are all things that we know build our resistance hmm. to it. Yeah, so mine is I every day I take fish oil, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, not the not the quercetin, uh, and a probiotic. Mm. That's what I'm doing every single day. And look, like you said, we're not doctors, but the thing is, we we live in a country where we've we've got like you want. Let's say you want to trust your health officials, right? You want to trust your health officials. We've got an ob- obesity problem in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. So. We have a massive obesity problem in this country. And not just what the WHO thinks. No, no. <laughs> like real right. obesity. Like re- real, yeah, real yeah. obesity. We've got a real obesity problem. And even, I think back to the beginning of the pandemic when we did lockdowns, what, what could you still buy? You could still buy fast food. You could still buy alcohol. You could still buy cigarettes. So if this was really our public health officials going, no, nah, we need to have a proper health response. It's all about your health. Well, maybe they would have, like... Because they closed down everything else. You couldn't go to a nice restaurant. Mm. They were closed down. But I could go through the Macca's drive-thru. It was open yeah. 24 hours a day. Yeah. I could go to the servo, get fuel, and buy a pack of durries. Yeah. Like, there's there's a respiratory pandemic the on. You can, shops, and you can still buy cigarettes. Yeah. So, yeah. so, that's the sort of stuff that you, you have to ask yourself. Is it really just about public health? Is it really about taking care of us? Because I don't feel that those decisions reflect that. Mm. They don't. And when you consider the fact that in Australia, our average death toll from all-cause mortality every year is 150,000 people. Mm. We have 150,000 people that die in this country every single year. We've completely shut down the way that our country works and we, have, we are promoting mass vaccination with a vaccine that has had no animal trials that is the first ever time we've used an mRNA vaccine before and all the, me- the messaging's been out there like, oh, we've had this technology for years. Well, why have we never used it before? Mm. So you're rolling it out during global pandemic. So we're, we're advocating mass vaccination, lockdowns, social distancing. Like people forget uh, there's kids in Victoria who lost a year of schooling yeah. over this shit. Yeah. And we've had 910 people die. Out of 150,000 people that die in this country every single year, I'm doing the push for uh, push for better challenge at the moment, push up challenge, because 3,000 people in this country kill themselves every year. Yeah, we don't lock the country down for that. I I make the I make the claim. There's more road trauma. You, yeah. So you're you're a higher risk of crashing your car. Yeah, yeah. So ban cars. No more no more cars. Yeah. Close the roads up. Like no, we don't do any of this stuff. And. The, the Australian government's doing the best they can mm. based off the information they're receiving. And so are you guys. Any of you out there who are like, like, you guys are so full of shit. I get it. You are intelligent people who are making the best decisions that you possibly can based on your knowledge. But the problem about informed consent is it has to be informed. And you're only receiving part of the story. Like I was saying before, that person I was speaking to is very near and dear to me. The whole reason they were going to get the vaccine now is because they still didn't think that there was any treatment options in hospital yeah. because there's no one knows. No one knows because they don't talk about it. It doesn't, talk it doesn't pay to know. It doesn't pay to know. Mm. And when the Australian government is doing deals with vaccine companies to manufacture stuff over here, I want to bring manufacturing back to Australia too. It's about time we started putting our smarts behind it and engineering something and manufacturing that we can export. Yeah. That makes good business sense. But it also muddies the waters of public health when 
we have a vested financial interest in people taking up mass vaccination. Yeah. And we need to we need to wrap this up, but I did want to just quickly touch on uh, one of the things that I also don't like is the lockdown, the the mentality behind, uh, and 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 the the media. Uh, portrayal of it mm. showing these euphoric people after like when the end oh we just want to free up we just want to open up it's like mm. you've you've been locked down you've been imprisoned in your own home yeah and you've had freedoms taken away from you yeah to make you feel euphoric when they come up with the solution it's, it's it. exactly like what's happened in like jewelry stores for years where you might go and look at a ring and the ring's five hundred dollars and then next week they've got a sale on and you walk in and it says, this ring was $1,000, 50% off. It's now $500. And you go, oh, yeah. like, what a good deal. Yeah. Like, like you said, they take rights away from you and then give them back. And you feel like that's a good thing. And less back. And less back. And again, messaging. So they had the AstraZeneca story on TV the other night. And they were interviewing people on the street. And they had a girl that just goes, oh, this is in, Victor in Victoria. Oh, look, at this point, I'd be willing to do just, just about anything to get life back to normal. Yeah. And that's the mentality they want you all to have. Yeah. They like they just pulled your rights off you and they're like, here's the golden ticket out. All you have to do is just go and get your jab yeah. and then and then you can have that golden ticket. Well, then, then what happens is that you'll get 25 million people vaccinated and then when there's flow-on effects and issues from the vaccination, well, then you've created a whole other industry, haven't you? Exactly. Because then you've got to treat the issues. And on and that note. Thank you very much for joining us. Learn from history and don't repeat it. And we'll see you next audio.